For many of us, this day is a day that we praise the Lord for conquering the grave. For assuring us that there is life after death. And that our passing is nothing more than a transition out of the flesh and into spirit. And spirit that dwells in the presence of God. And that is rightfully true. But there's so much more. For some of us this morning, it's, it's just another day to celebrate, to join with some other people and have some ham and deviled eggs and laugh a little bit, hear some good music, hang out with some family, pray there's no arguments, and then remind ourselves why we only see each other once every two or three months. And then for some of us, it's a complete mystery why we were drug here today thinking, how can these people believe this fairy tale? But there's so much more. You see, if we were good Old Testament Jewish people, we would understand that the coming of Jesus was not just a man who blipped up on the screen of history that got some divine thoughts in his head about who he was, and that he hung out with some other religious fanatics, and they appropriated some type of truth of their own to propagate the world with. And that some gullible people would would follow him. The reality is, is that the appearance of Jesus in the middle of history is not the appearance of just a man who randomly shows up in history, but it is the objective, intentional plan of God Himself to take upon Himself the body of a man to experience fully the fleshliness of a person and to dwell as fully God and fully man as the crescendo of history. That Jesus is not an apparition that had a beginning, but that He is the Holy One, truly the Alpha and the Omega, the Ancient of Days, the Great I Am, the One who reigns over the universe, all that is seen and unseen, who took upon Himself our flesh to be our Savior to accomplish a specific purpose. That purpose is this. Not just to save you, but to redeem you and make you His. It's much bigger than you just beat the grave. 
That's why we look at Revelation today. On this Easter day. And with the Christian church all over the world, we too proclaim He did it. And here's what He did. The first thing that we see in this chapter 21 of the Revelation is that He accomplished a fulfillment, a completeness of the plan of God. Read with me, if you will, again, these first three verses. He says, John Seeing a revelation of heaven given to him by Christ as I saw a new heaven, a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. What does this mean? A new heaven, a new earth and the sea was no more. Well, the Greek word there is a word that doesn't actually mean like new chronologically, like it was just born this moment and it's brand new, or that it was just created in this moment and it's brand new. No, it's a word that means much more than that. It's quantitative. It means that it has been made new. It has been renewed. It has been redeemed. It has been re-fulfilled. It has been repurposed. It is remade to be full in all that it was intended to be. And so we see what Jesus has done here and what he's revealing is, is that the heavens and the earth by the work of Christ on the cross and the redemptive plan that God has set in motion, that the day is coming when all things will be renewed and refreshed. And in that we understand that prophecy from the Old Testament, prophecy in the New Testament, the promises of God that were made back in the Garden of Eden and to Abraham and to David and to Moses and the ones that Christ Himself gave at this moment in history are fulfilled. How can we have an assurity of that? We have an empty tomb. See, that's the point of the empty tomb. The point of the resurrected grave is just not to point to an eternal life, but it's to point to the promises of God or yes. That if Jesus is able to fulfill the conquering of death, then he's also the one who is able to fulfill all of the promises of God because he is the one who gave the promises of God. He is the one back in Genesis that promised Abraham that it was he himself who would fulfill the promise of keeping the covenant of righteousness. And here John sees that fulfillment. He sees that revelation. He sees the perfect picture of all things being made new. What happens to the ocean? What is this no sea no more? You see, it's a descriptive term used by apocalyptic writers to say this. That all chaos and confusion is gone. For them, the sea represented a place of unknown. There were creatures down below. There were things that couldn't be seen that could eat you. There was a great fear for most people except maritimers of the sea. And the sea also uh, represented political upheaval. It was always churning and the motion was always going. And what John says, in this renewal, in this fulfillment, there is complete shalom. There is a complete peace. There is no chaos. There's no upheaval any longer. There's nothing to fear.
You see, Jesus accomplished the eradication of all things that could challenge our safety. Including the questions of our own hearts. Including the deadness of our own fleshliness. It was the power of Christ that has risen our hearts from the dead to live at peace in the fulfillment of every promise of God. It is why the Apostle Paul would say, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. I wonder, do you know what those promises are? When you and I look at the world and we look at the chaos that's in this world, just turn the news on any channel, doesn't matter. What do you see? We're throwing rocks at one another. We're throwing hot lead at one another. Insults we hurl at one another. Country against country. Person against person. Starvation. Disease. Political battles between the right and the left and the left and the right and those who are in between. Then we turn away from the TV screen and we happen to maybe gaze into a mirror. And what do we see? We see the chaos of our own hearts, do we not? What should I do next? How will I get there? Will we have enough to make it through retirement? How will I conquer the disease? What happens if so-and-so doesn't care for me? Will I be alone as I grow old? Will I have a great career? Will I have a future ahead of me? Oh my gosh, it's all up to me. Will I ever conquer this loneliness and this sadness that I feel inside? You see, it's on the tube, it's in our hearts, it's in the computers, it's in our relationships. This chaos, this lack of fulfillment, this drive for more and more and more and more. And the coming of Jesus, the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus has been the fulfillment of the promise that one day, and the day is coming soon, when wanting and chaos will be no more. That he has fulfilled it. And he is the only hope for that kind of peace. Let me give you a principle I've noticed. What has a beginning has an end. Let me tweak it just a little bit. What has a beginning has the appearance of an end. Tell me about your life before you were born. Yeah, I know. 
Weird question. I can't. I can't tell you about my life before I was born. But let me tell you what I can tell you about my life that is to come. I had a beginning. I will have the appearance of an end. But I have the reality and the objective truth of an eternity ahead of me. I know my destiny because I am His and He kept the promise. And all of the promises of God. So in this conquering of the grave, we see he accomplished fulfillment and completeness. But he also accomplished a second thing. I'm sorry, renewal and shalom. He also accomplished a second thing in this completeness. Look with me at verses 3 and 6. I heard a loud voice from the throne. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. In these moments, we feel the Spirit of God. We feel him here with us. We sense he's here. But what Jesus has promised is the day will be when it won't be by faith any longer. But we will have the reality of knowing fully without the failing of humanness that he is with us. You say, it's hard for me, though, to believe in what I cannot see. Do you believe your cell phone will ring if someone calls you right now? Of course you do. But you can't see the electronic waves that will come through this room from one phone to your phone. Do you believe there's infrared light rays in this room right now? Of course you do, because we have the right apparatus. We can see infrared reds, right? But with our human eyes, the way that they are, we don't see that they're here. What about ultraviolet? Do we see ultraviolet rays in this room? No, we don't see them, but we know that they're here. But the day will come when our eyes will be refreshed and renewed. It says that Jesus will wipe the tears from them. They'll be made whole, they'll be made full, and who knows the light spectrum that you and I will see at that time. The beauty of all of creation, not hindered by eyes that have sin in them. But it's more than just that. It's more than just seeing. It's more than just sight. It is the wiping away of our tears. The Greek word here is a fantastic word. It means that he's going to gouge down deep into that place where the tears originate from and pull them out. He's going to the source of all pain, the source of all sadness, and he's going to eradicate it from our lives. 
And at the same time, that same word means a healing, a salve, an ointment will be put on it. That not only will he do it, but it will be healed forever so that it never has to be done again. Because we'll be complete. We'll be renewed. We'll be fresh. Nothing about us will fail. There won't be any tears. There won't be any failing health. There'll be no achy bones. There'll be no divided relationships. He did it. He completed it. He fulfilled it all. Not only do we have peace and renewal and fulfillment and completeness, but we also have that Jesus accomplished a permanent and lasting for eternity separation from hell. John goes on to write, He said to me, It is done on the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I give springs of water of life without payment. To those who conquer, they will have this heritage. I will be their God. He will be my son. But to the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, it goes on and on. They will be cast into the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. And that is the second death. You remember how I told you there's a beginning to you? And there's an apparent end to you on this side of heaven. The reason it's apparent is because there's a second birth into glory where you are renewed and you are refreshed. You are made complete and you have peace with God and He dwells with you forever. And that's if you are courageous. I find it fascinating that Jesus couples faithfulness and courage together. Remember the Marxist Axiom that religion is an opiate for the weak. Jesus says something much different. That faithfulness is the courage of the saints. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I must look at this empty grave, these promises of Christ, the fulfillment of all that He has done, And we must evaluate life or death. Because in the same way that you began and you had an apparent end, you could also have an apparent and real second end that will also last forever. The empty grave of Jesus offers you the opportunity to be wise, to think, to reason. If God so promised back 4,000 years ago to a man that he would come, and he came, and he promised again that he would return, and he will. Why would you not reason that that's the best objective truth that you could ever have? 
verses. It's all a big story. It's a hoax. And I'd rather be dead. You see, today forces you to make that decision. If you hear my voice, there is a decision that you have to make. You're either his or you're not. If you are his, then the road ahead requires us to have a persevering faith. We must respond with a faith that perseveres. We must also respond with a persevering peace. Do you know what the highest form of love is? Trust. Think about it for a moment. There's no higher expression that you can express to God than you trust Him. When all else around you seems as though He's trustworthy, that you can hold fast with courage and trust Him. When you and I do that, we express a love for Him that can have no higher form. So we respond not only with faithfulness, but with trust. And we also respond by telling the good news. To the rest of the world, with courage, we proclaim the objective truth. That there is an empty tomb in Jerusalem. You've got to deal with it. It's the most important thing in your life, this empty tomb. You better process it. And for those of you, this is more than a fairy tale. It's almost fantasy. Here's how you can respond. You will live out your days in the cocoon of your own heart until your heart is no more. It's not just an Easter bunny story. It is the truth of God. He did it. Believe me.